Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you. Glad you made it. If you're new to our church, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're diving back into the book of James. Uh, before I do, though, just real quick, something happened to me just right before I was out, out, outdoors here in the, out, in the cafe with the, the bagel crew. And someone came up to me um, and just with tears in their eyes just said, it's my first day back. I haven't been back since the, the whole pandemic. And I, I've been watching online. Sweetheart, I don't know where you sat. And I can't see anyway because the lights are on my eyes. But wherever you are, I just wanted you to know you made my morning. And I'm so glad you're here. And for those of you who are, you might be watching online. If you haven't just joined us, if you haven't come back, if you're waiting we want to invite you back. There's nothing like being here, and we're happy you're watching. Glad to have you. If you're in another state, you get a pass on this, but if you're just hanging out at home, get off the couch and come back. All right, let's go. It's time. All right, that's what's up. All right, here we go. Let's clap. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, that's for somebody. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. Okay, so we're into the book of James this morning. And we've been talking a little bit about this unusual literary work that we find in the Bible. There is one of the 66 books that was actually penned by the biological brother of Jesus Christ himself. And if you're a skeptic, like if you've come to church today and you're not, uh, you, you wouldn't necessarily self-identify as a believer. If you uh, love the teachings of Jesus, as pretty much everyone does, if you love the teachings of Jesus but you're not on board with all the supernatural stuff, if you believe in what he said but you're not sure about the miracles or any of that, if that's you, you probably would have gotten along really well with James as we first meet him in the New Testament. Jesus' own brother is a skeptic, and you would, be, you would treat your brother the same way if he made crazy claims like this. We're going to cut James a little slack on this for his lack of faith because he and Jesus grew up together. But when James shows up on the scene a number of years later and he puts the pen to the paper to write this text, not only is he a believer, he's fervent, he's passionate about it, and he's watching the early church just start to form. I mean, wouldn't that be a cool thing to be able to go back in time and see? He's just watching the earliest iterations of the church start to form. And he's got some strong words. James does not, I feel like, I, feel like, <clears throat> I don't know if, um, if anyone else feels this way. I feel like James could have been from Long Island. I feel like James could have been from Long Island, like he's direct, he doesn't pull punches, you always know where you stand with James, he's a little sarcastic, like there's some great stuff in here. So uh, James, when he begins, he, he jumps right in, starts talking about the tongue. He says, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and if you don't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. He said that in chapter 1. And then we kind of got into, you know, he, he, he talked also about, hey, if you're, if you're struggling, if you have trials, consider that an opportunity for joy. God's going to do something in that. And then he started talking about what was happening in the early church, insiders and outsiders. And this is what we got to last week. The church is starting to form. There are people who consider themselves insiders. There are people who... Uh, you know, th they're kind of at the center of it, and they're trying to be gatekeepers as to who gets to join the thing and who doesn't. There's an us and a them pretty quickly forming. And James says, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. There's no us, there's no them, there's just us. 
There is no us and them. There are no insiders and outsiders. We're all God's children. We all get to come to the table. There's a seat for everybody, and the ground before the cross is level. You guys be real careful with who you treat as insiders and outsiders, was what we talked about last week. Today, we're diving into chapter 3, and it actually begins with a pretty stern warning for pastors. Let's take a look. James chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Okay, James. We're not done. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Okay. So it's a long passage and heavy words. I mean, strong, strong words here. Why? And it's not the first time. And we're only we're in chapter three here, and this is the same. This is the second time in three chapters James has hit us with some strong words about our tongues. Remember, he said in chapter one, if you don't control your tongue, your religion is useless. So now it's two chapters later, and he's right back on it. He's on it. I mean, he's he's up in our faces. Why? Why does he talk so much about this? Why does he spend so much time instructing the early church? On this front because James knows something that I think all of us know as well but we forget sometimes words matter words matter and you can use them to destroy or you can use them to build up and he's really clear about the destructive power of words isn't he you're, you're, oh, and why, and why, let me, let's see up on this for a minute too. Why does he start with a warning to pastors and church leaders? Did you catch that? Not many of you, it says, should, be, should look to be leaders in the church. Not many of you should look to teach. Because those who teach will be judged more strictly. Why, is he say, why does he say that? Because in the early church, people were jockeying for position. Everybody wanted to kind of talk about how much they knew. You ever, you ever been like in a small group or in a Bible study with somebody who just wanted to make sure everybody in the room knew how much they knew? It's awkward. 
you know? So, so there's a lot of people who just want to teach and want to talk and they want to be leaders and they want to show everybody how smart they are and how they've studied the Torah and they, they kind of want to, there's a little bit of puffing up going on and there's a little bit of, a little bit of this happening and James is like, whoa, 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 easy, easy, buddy. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what you're after here, but you're stepping into a whole other thing. Like, be careful with that. And then he just talks about how words matter, about the destructive power of words. And you've never thought about it before, but think about it. Words can ruin your life. Right? I mean, you don't think about it. You know, we're taught as kids, oh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You ever hear that? Yeah, that's nonsense. That's, that's just not true. You today, think for a minute. You, this day, you could put a string of words together that could end your marriage right now. You could put a string of words today, together today that would end your career. You publish something online or, or say something on, on social media or, or verbally, you put the right string of words together, your career ends with words. You can, there, there is no relationship or thing that you can't wreck by putting the right string of words together. So now James is like, look, your tongue is a flame of fire. you got to be careful. So now he's, he's like, a, a, a great forest can be set on fire by a small spark. So what's he talking about now? A, a small spark could set a, set a tremendous uh, fire. Uh, it can set a whole, uh, whole, a whole forest on fire. And you've seen... Seems like every year now, doesn't it? We have more and more wildfires. And these things are always started by something innocuous. These things are always started by something small. And what James is talking about now is very clear. This, this uh, analogy of a spark becoming a fire is a, a very clear uh, connection to gossip. That's what he's talking about. A small spark becomes a huge fire and, and he's addressing now gossip within the church. So apparently there are people in the early church who, uh, who like to, you know, bip, bip, bip a little bit. And gossip is one of those things, it's really like, it's sort of insidious. It's sort of, uh, gossip is a sneaky thing. It makes its way into our conversations in ways that we don't always know or recognize. Nobody thinks that they're a gossip. Nobody thinks that they're a gossiper. I mean, maybe some of you do, but most people don't. But it's dangerous. And this is something I learned about early on. My career in ministry was almost completely derailed by gossip. In my first, my first year in full-time ministry, I'll tell you this story, this is a good one, okay? My first year in full-time ministry, I was working as a youth pastor for a church in northern New Jersey. I was 23 years old, single, uh, just trying to get it done. And this particular church had a tradition. Every once in a while, they would have uh, a potluck supper. Anybody here ever been to a church that used to do a potluck supper? A couple of you? Yeah. Uh, if you've never been to a potluck supper, you're lucky. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, <laughs> A potluck supper is when everybody cooks a dish and brings it and everyone sort of gets together and everyone takes a little bit of the, and the best stuff always goes first and then you're, if you're late, it's weird. So, and churches used to do it and it's so good that they don't anymore because it's weird. So, 
Um, but this church used to do a potluck supper, and there was this little old lady who, who went to the church. She wasn't that old, but to me, she was, you know, older. She was retired. She was a grandma, and she sort of took a liking to me. She, she was sort of like the matriarch of the church, and she sort of took me under her wing, sort of like to protect me a little bit, I think, and she made, she made, she, her, she was famous throughout the church. She was renowned for her meatloaf. Every time, like, she made meatloaf at the potluck supper, it went. And this one particular time, it was like January or February, the church was having a potluck supper, and she made a meatloaf to bring to the potluck supper, and she made a second meatloaf for me because she knew I was a bachelor, and she knew I was eating a lot of ramen noodles and Hot Pockets because that's how you roll when you're 23 and you live alone and you're figuring it out. So she made me a meatloaf, and I was so excited. I was so, like, this was, like, so kind and so thoughtful because I don't have a lot of leftovers in my fridge and it was so it was just like one of the nicest things right and so I was overjoyed and very grateful and I loved my meatloaf now cut to a scene ah, about three months later it was probably May the senior pastor of the church my boss calls me into his office and sits me down and says in a very serious tone, Bert, uh, we have to talk. And I'm like, okay. And right away, like, y your spider sense, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, uh-oh, something's wrong. And then he says, he looks at me and he goes, I know what's been happening. And I go, what does he know? <laughs> you know? And, 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 and I go, yeah. And he goes, this is very serious. And, I, and, I, and at this point, I'm like, do I play along? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really serious. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. And uh, we go back and forth a couple more times, and finally I just have to lay my cards out. And I'm like, Pastor, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't actually know what you're talking about. What, what's, what seems to be the problem? And he says, well, Bert, I, it's come to my attention and from several people that you've been stealing from the church. And I'm like, what? whoa. Like, I've been accused of a lot of things in my life, but I'm not a thief. What, do, what are you, like, stealing money? Stealing the, oh, oh, come on. I don't have access to any of that. I'm the youth pastor. He goes, no, 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 no. Not stealing money. If that were the case, you'd just be fired instantly. It's come to my attention that you've been stealing food from the church. And I'm like, no, no. I claim every youth pastor's right of bringing home the extra slice of pizza that's left over after pizza night. That I do. That's what every youth pastor gets to do. That's written in the code, okay? <laughs> but I don't, I, you know, and basically to make a long story medium length, here's what happened. In February, after the potluck supper, the next day, I get done with my work day, I put on my little backpack, and I go to the fridge, and I take out the meatloaf that this old lady made for me, and I bring it home, and somebody saw me taking food out of the refrigerator and bringing it to my car. And somebody decided, oh, I can't believe it. And they started talking. And pretty soon, this had gone throughout the church. Like half the church was talking about how the youth pastor was stealing. And every, it just went from person to person to person to person to person, and it was like, I, I almost, not only did I almost get fired over it, I almost quit. 
Like at that point, I, was, I, I very nearly said, yeah, I need to go do something else for a living. This is ridiculous. Because everyone wanted to talk about me, but nobody wanted to come talk to me. And I'm like, even, even, if, I, even if that was true, even if I was stealing food, wouldn't it occur to you to come to me and go, hey, Bert, why are you stealing food? Like, are you hungry? <laughs> like, like, there's none of that. Nobody came to me. Everybody took, so this is what happens with gossip. And if you've never thought about gossip or how it works, gossip is when you share a scandalous, deleterious, salacious, negative tidbit about somebody when they're not there to hear it. You say this about, about someone to a third party when the, when the subject isn't there to hear it. And what Christians do, this is, Christians are famous for this. What we do is we share gossip, but we sanctify it. You ever have somebody gossip at you in the name of a prayer request? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm really, I'm just very concerned. This is what people say. I'm just concerned. I'm concerned, did you, I, I don't know if you heard, I heard this very troubling thing. I'm very, I'm troubled in my spirit. I heard this thing, and, and I, I don't know if it's true, but I, this happened, and I heard that she said this, and I heard that he did this, and I heard that, that, that they something, and, and I just, I just feel like we should pray, or we should, yeah, let's pray, and let's, like, and, and, and the truth is, if you were concerned about that person, you'd go to the person. So here's the way our church needs to learn how to handle gossip because James is right. A small spark can create a huge fire. That happened to me in my first year of ministry. It continues to happen today. So this is the way our church needs to handle stuff like this. First of all, don't believe everything you hear. It's two sides to every story. Secondly, if you hear something about a third party, decide that you are going to be a firebreak. You know what a fire break is? A fire break is a place that a fire can't pass through. So like when there's a wildfire, when, when, when the, you know, the, the forestry department sees a wildfire spreading out, what they'll do is they'll try to find a place to create a fire break, a place to clear trees. They sometimes will even do a controlled burn and burn trees down to create a barrier that once the wildfire gets to this point, it can't go any further. Decide that you will be a firebreak. If somebody comes to you with some delicious little tidbit about somebody else, just decide now that you're going to be a firebreak, that you're going to say, okay, I don't know why you shared that with me, but you should probably go back and talk to that person. If you're worried about that person, go talk to them. If you have an issue with that person, go talk to them. If you heard something, don't tell me about it. Go back and talk to the source. Everybody with me on this? That's how... That's how Gossip needs to be handled because short of that it's dangerous and it creates waves and it spreads itself out and Corrupts. I mean this, James's words are, are, are pretty harsh a tiny spark Can set a great forest on fire among all the parts of the body the tongue is a flame of fire a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body and That's scary Another way to look at this might be when you interact with somebody, when you talk to another person, at any time, wherever you are, is your presence life-giving or life-taking? 
When you interact with another person, is your presence and your countenance and your words, are you life-giving or are you life-taking? Because loved ones, and hear me on this, there's no such thing as a neutral interaction. It's possible that some people are, you know, so often one person is life-giving and one person is life-taking. You know how that works, right? One of the two people who meet or connect or talk is just in a place of need or in pain and the other one tries to pour into their life. Be the one that does the giving. Sometimes two people get together and they're both needy and they both just sort of suck more out of each other and that makes it worse. Sometimes both people are really life-giving and they try to encourage each other and build each other up. But there is no such thing as a neutral interaction. There is life-giving and life-taking at all times. We pour into each other or we suck something out of each other. That is how it works. You have to decide what kind of a person you're going to be. You have to listen to these words, to, to absorb what James is saying to each of us, and decide how you're going to operate with this. You have a weapon at your disposal. You have, let me say it differently, maybe, maybe weapon is the wrong word. You have a tool at your disposal that can do amazing things. Your tongue can burn things down but you can also build things up. You can use your words to glorify God and to, and to love others and to serve the world around you, and you can decide that your countenance and your presence and your words are going to be life-giving. And when you operate in the world in terms of being life-giving, if somebody comes to you, for example, with, with some tasty little gossip that they just heard, and you're looking to pour into that person, and your intention is to be a blessing to that person, you don't need the gossip. The trouble is, the gossip lands on us, and we ourselves are insecure, so we think, oh man, that's really cool. And instantly, instantaneously, we're thinking of who we might tell. Because... If we are the ones with the information, we will be seen as ones who are in the know. And everybody wants to be in the know. But if our aim is to be life-giving, if our aim is to honor God and love others and serve all, we'll be able in that moment to address whatever situation we're, we're, in, we're in touch with, with grace. And with God's reflection to build up and not tear down, to use the words we've been given and use the breath we've been given and the energy we've been given and the days we've been given to build God's kingdom and to play the part he's given us to play in his amazing story. That's, that's the person we want to be. That's, that's the kind of man I want to be. That's the kind of man or woman you want to be. That's who God's calling us to be. So why does James go so hard with these verses on words? Because words matter. Because quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry is a big, big deal. Then he moves on, and he revisits what he talked about last week. Did you catch that? This is not right, my brothers. This is what he says. With the same mouth, you praise God and you curse those who are made in God's image. You praise God, you come to church Sunday and you're praising God, but then 
You speak ill of those who are made in God's image. He's talking now again about the other. Were you here for that last week? Who is the person or people group that you hope never shows up to True North? Who is the person or people group that you hope never shows up to True North? James addressed that last week. The other is the one we're called to love. The other, the one who's not like us. Love others means love the other. With the same mouth, you praise God and you curse those made in God's image. Not okay. That is according to James, is a contradiction. You can't praise God and not be loving towards those who are made in God's image. So get this and understand it. Every person you have ever come across in your life, every human being you have ever encountered is an image bearer. A person who bears the image of God and however you may disagree with their life or their politics or their whatever, you don't get to come to church Sunday and praise God and then speak ill of those who are made in his image. The calling upon our life is love. The calling we're supposed to carry, the calling placed upon... Now, if you're not a believer, look, if you're not a Christian, you wouldn't self-identify as a Christian, I would submit to you that everything the scripture says about gossip will just make your life better. You don't even have to be a believer for that to make sense. But if you are a believer if you would self-identify as a Christ follower, then the calling of God upon your life is to be life-giving in the world around you, to pour into the world around you, to be a firebreak for gossip, and to be really, really careful with your words because your words can burn things down or your words can build people up, and you get to choose which. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to learn. Father, James is just taking us to school and we struggle. We are struggling with this. We love gossip. We love learning little things about others and passing them along so that we look like we're the ones who know everything. Father, would you just help us to be secure enough that we don't need to do that? Grant us wisdom to be a firebreak, to not pass those things along to simply exist in every human encounter, to be a blessing and to be life-giving. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.